Hello and welcome to this podcast. You may or may not know I am testing out Anchor by Spotify, which enables me to create podcasts out of written blogs because I have got readers who are actually visually impaired or blind. So it helps me to put out more content more frequently and it takes me less time. Do let me know what you think. I'd love to hear the feedback. Hi. Now, this is a question that I've been asked a lot since I revealed the results of the investigation into the treatment that led up to my amputation. I have not said very much about what happened in those months leading up to it because there was an investigation underway. Now that investigation has been concluded, I can now talk to you a bit more about what actually happened. So how did I come to lose it in my leg and how is it someone's fault? Well, let's start at the beginning and you're gonna to have to sit down and bear with me because it isn't a straightforward story. I had a knee replacement October, 2018 and I was rehabbing from that and I just managed to get to back to cycling out on the road, having worked really hard on knee bend. And no sooner had I done that and I noticed my left foot started to go numb on the bottom. And I was able to sort of stamp on my foot a few times on the floor when I got back and it, the feeling would come back. So I didn't think much of it, um, apart from the fact I thought maybe it was the shoes or perhaps it was the cleats. And so I changed my shoes, back shoes to see whether it was that and it didn't really help. It then escalated and my foot went numb and stayed numb. And then it traveled up my leg and my calf started to hurt when I was walking and I could sit down and rest it and it would be okay. And then I'd go walking again. I also noticed at about this time that I um, had could put my leg down on the floor when it was hurting and it wouldn't hurt as much uh, as when I had it elevated. So I began to think that perhaps there was an, a circulation problem in this left leg. So I went to the doctor. The doctor is a different doctor than the one I have now. Went to my GP and asked, could they get the ch circulation checked in the left foot? Because I thought there might be a problem. The GP ignored my request, didn't even record it in the medical records and sent me on my way telling me there was nothing wrong with my foot. A couple of months go by and the pain is escalating. The distance that I'm able to walk is escalating, uh, is shortening and the pain is increasing and I'm having to get more and more pain meds. I'm now on neuropathic pain meds um, and I'm still complaining about the fact that this has not been treated and I still think it's uh, circulation related. I was told the next step that I needed to have would be a nerve conduction test to see whether the nerve pathways were restricted in that foot. I was told there would be a many months of a waiting list. I was in too much pain to wait, so I paid for it privately. This showed that there was a reduction in the nerve signal in my left foot. So the GP then sent me to a neurosurgeon to have a look at the uh, whether there was a problem with the neuro neuropathic pathways. At this point now, my foot had started to go cold and it was remaining numb and I couldn't walk very far and I was now on crutches. When I went to see this person, he told me um, very little examination and told me that it was probably peripheral neuropathy. 
Now, I argued about that at the time because peripheral neuropathy is problems in all your extremities. My hands were fine. My right foot was fine. It was just my left. So I argued that that couldn't be the case. But that's what I was told and I was sent on my way. Um, and at the same time was told that maybe there was a problem with my back and I was sent to an orthopedic specialist. So I waited for that appointment, was told it would be an indefinite amount of time. So I paid for that as well to speed it up because all the time, the, the time is passing by, my leg is getting more and more significantly painful and I'm now on the maximum dose of the neuropathic pain meds that I can have and they're not helping. I'm struggling to sleep and I'm even on sleeping tablets and it's still not helping and I'm waking up in the night and having to get up and walk around the house to stop the pain or sleep, lie in bed with my foot hanging out the side. I'm still uh, convinced it's something circulation related but um, I'm, no one's listening to what I have to say. I've been back to the GP multiple times and I keep just getting given drugs. <coughs> I end up with an appointment at the orthopaedic surgeon. By this point, my foot is red, bright red and freezing cold. And I can't walk at all without crutches. I can barely put my weight on it. Um, I was told that there, were, there was nothing wrong with my back and that I had CRPS. Again, I argued about this diagnosis because CRPS is a chron is chronic regional pain syndrome and is normally trauma related. There had been no trauma, so I couldn't see why it would be this and it just didn't fit. But I was sent on my way and they ignored me. At this point, I said, you're not going to examine the foot, look at it. And no, it, no, it's not going to. No, it's CRPS. That's it. I was sent away. This is still not a solution. I'm still in chronic pain. So I went back to the GP. At this point, my GP has left and I've got a new one. The new one, Dr. Fowler, my hero. The new one, he come, he takes a look at me and he goes, oh shit. Can I take a picture? So I'm like, well, yeah. Do you mind if I get um, another professional in here to have a look at this? Well, no, I don't mind. Now, do you want to tell me what you think is going on? He said he thought it was vascular circulation, vascular related, and I needed to be seen immediately. And that this was critical limb ischemia. I'm like, I said circulation at the start. Nobody listened to me. So I was sent as a very urgent case to the vascular department in the, in the next nearest hospital, because there's no vascular presence in my local hospital. I was sent to Dunedin. So I get an appointment five, six days later. We're now in May and this has been going on for six, seven months, eight months now. This has been going on and I'm, st I'm, I'm in significant pain. So I go to the um, vascular department in uh, the next hospital up, Dunedin, and they do an ultra vascular ultrasound of my leg and find that my foot has no pulse. Now it was a probationary um, sonographer that was doing this and he thought he was seeing things and he went to get his supervisor and all these people came in, they were looking at the screen and I'm like, I know there's something wrong here. Do you wanna tell me what's wrong here? And this is when they re re um, revealed to me that actually my femoral artery was blocked along its full length 
and there was actually no pulse in my foot at all. They couldn't determine how long this had been the case, but it certainly did what didn't just happen. So I was then referred to a vascular surgeon, and this is my second hero, Sarah Leash, the vascular surgeon at Dunedin Hospital. Uh, Sarah and Dr. Fowler, between the two of them, were the two people that got something happening and prevented me from losing more than just my lower leg. So I go to Sarah and she says, they need to open, open it up and have a look. And I'll I had seven surgeries, but the next bit I'll shorten it. So I, I had, the first thing they did, they opened it up to look at the femoral artery to see what was going on and um, see if they could unblock it. But the blockage was lengthy. So I was prepared for the fact that they would have to do a femoral bypass, which is taking a meter and a half of vein out of my right leg to put it in the left to bypass the blockage and much like they do with a cardiac bypass. When I came to from the from the um, surgery, they told me they'd managed to get the blockage out, but it was an old clot that was very hard and well formed. So therefore been there a while, uh, but they had managed to pull it out. So they hadn't needed to do the bypass. So they were going to cross their fingers and send me on my way. Five days later, sudden intense pain. I knew something was chronically wrong. I went to ED and was told them to phone Sarah. Something was massively wrong. I was taken back to Dunedin and they found that the artery had blocked again. So we have no option. This time we have to do the femoral bypass. So Sarah did the bypass, took one and a half meters of GSV vein out of my right leg. I've got a scar from top to bottom, from groin all the way to ankle on my right leg where they took the scar, the, the um, artery out of my leg. But at this point, it's under an emergency surgery um, circumstances. I was taken in through ED. So then we have the femoral bypass. So I've got scars, the length, both legs, both legs. And um, we keep an eye on this. The afternoon of the next day, chronic pain like this. I was in high dependency unit. I told them to get on the phone, get Sarah down here. Something was wrong. It had blocked. We went back to surgery. This happened twice more. So it reblocked after the bypass two more times. I was back in surgery 24 hours and, 30, and 48 hours after the original surgery to unblock the bypass. We had no idea why this kept on happening and we still didn't know why this had happened in the first place. But she did say that when she did the bypass, there was significant damage to the vessels below my knee. They wanted to do a femoral popliteal bypass, which takes the, the bypass to just behind your knee, but they hadn't been able to because there was too much damage to the vessels there because there'd been too much time passed with blood flow cut off to my lower leg. So they had to bypass it to a very, very tenuous vein at the bottom down near my ankle, which was only a millimeter wide, much smaller than they wanted to, but it was the only one left. And it was the only thing that they could see that they could do. So we know that this blockage had been there in place for a significant time to do that much damage to my lower leg. So we've managed to restore 20 odd percent of the blood flow. They do another um, H, um, ABPI to check my blood flow in my foot. And there's about 20 to 25% of blood flow in my foot. It's the best they've managed to, they could do with the bypass. And they were like, I hope it, I hope it works. So away I was sent, I was sent away with a 
truckload of blood thinners and I was told to walk because the, when they could get the uh, collateral arteries to work a new pathway around the blockage and get the blood flow back to my foot. I tried this and it was working well for a couple of weeks and then I noticed it start to shorten and I wasn't able to walk as far and the pain got worse and the pain got worse and the pain got worse and I was panicking. I knew that there was something terribly, terribly wrong. I'd been here too many times. So I called Sarah. We've got a problem, Sarah. There's a massive problem here. Um, at the same time, I had been getting treated for the wounds in my left ankle because they'd opened the, opened the ankle so many times for the surgery, I still had a, a wound back on it. And once I called up Sarah to tell her that I had a problem and we needed to, I needed to be seen. We were making an appointment for the next time that was available. It was going to be in a couple of days. And then the, um, one night I went to bed, everything was fine. Woke up the next morning and the dressing that had been covering, waterproof thankfully, was full of blood. It had bled out at the ankle. And I had a mass um, panic attack at that point. I knew that something awful had happened. So I called the district nurse and said she had to come around here. She had a look and she said that you should not be doing this this far down the line after, you know, this is months after the original surgery. So we called the um, vascular department in Dunedin. And they were like panic attack. So I was sent on the next um, ambulance back up to Dunedin and given another scan in the ultrasound department and we found that the femoral artery had blocked on its full length. They have no idea why it had kept doing this but because there was so much damage to the leg below the knee because it had been cut off from blood flow for so long there was no other vessels they could use. We, um, The blockage was at the distal end where the, the five mil graft vein joined the one mil vein at my ankle. That's where the blockage was. There was only one more thing we could try. Sarah was for trying every, anything. Some of the surgeries we tried were tenuous at best, but she did everything she could to try and save this leg. So we tried this. This was something that probably um, ordinary circumstances shouldn't have been tried. It was really risky, but what have we got to lose? Um, so I then had a catheter put in my thigh at the top of the leg. They were going to try and push the blockage out and put a balloon into the vein, much like they do with a stent and, and that sort of thing, to try and hold the vein open at the ankle. But they couldn't get the catheter past the blockage. I was watching it on the monitor and it was going ping, ping, ping like this and they just couldn't get it through. I was taken back to the to the ward and they had a conversation with the, had a big meeting about what they were going to do next. Were they going to try it from the other end? That would be much more risky because we're going from one mil vein into five mil. There's a risk of dislodging the graft. Um, is it worth it? Uh, because if they dislodge the graft, we're then doing an emergency amputation and it's a really different story. So we wanted to try and keep control of the situation, but do everything we could at the same time. So they decided it was too risky to do the um, procedure from the other end. And they gave me some more blood thinners and sent me away um, in the hope that I would be able to keep on walking and that it would um, right itself, hopefully. There was 20% blood flow down to the ankle. Not, not ideal, but there was a bit of blood flow. So, I was sent away for another week or so. Things went horribly wrong, horribly, horribly wrong. I couldn't barely walk. I knew this was tragic. 
and I made another appointment at the vascular, um, went back to the hospital and at this point they did another scan and found the femoral artery was blocked. The graft was blocked at its full length. Now there were, we have tried everything at this point and I knew there was no more surgeries to be had. Sarah and her team in the vascular department in Dunedin and Rossi Holloway had done everything they possibly could have and more to try and save this left leg from the time that I was sent to the right place. But there was just too much damage had been done in the leg below the knee, but with it being cut off from the blood flow for so long, there was no good vessels left. So amputation was the only option next. I could have kept the foot. There was still a slight blood flow to it, made it viable, but I decided not to because the foot would have continued to hurt, uh, give me the pain forever and it never would regain its function. So I didn't see the point. We, had, we scheduled the amputation for the very next time she had a, a, an opening after that, which was the 8th of October, which was five days later. And that is when I had the left leg amputated below the knee. When they did the surgery, you would normally expect significant blood loss from, um, from severing arteries, but there was next to no blood flow coming out of that artery that was cut below the knee when they did the amputation. So that goes to show you how much damage had been done in the time when I was being messed around from sent from pillar to post and given three or four of the completely wrong diagnosis. It has been determined which of those particular medical professionals had made the first mistake that caused the delay, that caused the damage that led to the amputation. And it has been determined that had that delay not happened, I would still have two feet. So as you can imagine, it's a lot to deal with, especially since I said at the start, I thought it was circulation and I was actually right from the beginning and that this could have been prevented if I had been listened to at the beginning. But I do want to recognize the two people out of all of that horror that really did fight my corner and do everything they could. And that was my GP, Dr. Fowler, and the vascular team at Dunedin, Sarah Leash and Rossi Holloway. Um, without those people, I would have lost, definitely lost more of my leg, if not my life. So I want to thank those people from the bottom of my heart. I know there was nothing that we could have done, but we did everything that we could under the circumstances. Thank you for listening. As always, I'd love to hear your feedback. If there's anything you want to add or any questions you want to ask, please do just get in contact. Otherwise, I'll talk to you again soon.